not have stayed there because of a Philip Randolph and the 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 the, the mm-hmm. union. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure that the conditions that made him settle down and, and 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 work there as long as he did was because that conditions changed and things were better, or or else there was a, a brotherhood. That's why it's called the brotherhood. There was something that stuck those guys together. Talk about living history. We are the grandchildren of the Great Migration, the African-American struggle for social and economic mobility in this country continues. We have inherited benefits, civil liberties, and legal rights from the fruit of their struggle. It's only right to provide a space for generations past to breathe life into their story so that it lives on in our future. Roz Womble, gives a first-person account of her father's work as a Pullman porter and what it means to the story of American history. I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. Interludes, a pure Lighthouse production. We would like to thank our local title sponsor for supporting Interludes A1 Pestmasters, This episode is brought to you by our national sponsor, Montevilla Coffee and Tea. And now, all the way live from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Valerie Johnson. Welcome to another edition of Interludes, and I am honored to have this wonderful historian among us, and she is one who knows about the Pullman uh, Monument very, very well because she grew up in and around the area. We're going to be talking about that. I have executive producer Michael Womble on and his beautiful mother, Roz Womble. How are you two doing on today? Wonderful. Great. Doing wonderful. So we wanted to talk about um, the Pullman National Monument, uh, which is Chicago's first uh, national monument, which makes it historic. And it is all about history. And I could talk to you about it, but uh, my information is secondhand. My information comes from her. So she knows about it because she lived the history and I've learned about it from my mom who learned about it from her dad and uncles. So we're talking about recently, there was a grand opening of the Pullman National Monument over Labor Day weekend on the far Southeast side of Chicago. Yes, there is a Southeast side to Chicago. And um, that is where history was made. It's history that's American history. And it's also history that is uh, African-American history. And it's something that we should know about. So, um, how do you know about uh, George Pullman and the history of the Pullman area? Uh, my dad and his brothers, his two older brothers were Pullman porters. And wow, came to Chicago during the Great Migration. Dad came 
I would say in the late 30s. And since his brothers were already working as a cook and as a bartender on the Pullman cars, they knew that they could get his baby brother a job. And since they successfully had left rural Missouri, they told him, come on, we'll get you a job. And he came to Chicago and got hired. And I don't recollect him going to work for Pullman, but I remember seeing his Pullman coat hanging up on the back porch and mm -hmm. as well as some blankets with the Pullman insignias that would come out on those post Chicago nights. And I really didn't know too much about it. And as I got older and talked to my dad about it, I realized that, wow, this is historic. This is, this is monumental stuff. And with a Philip Randolph, and my dad was a member of the- Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters. Yes, he was. And wow. those things, and as I got older, I began to get more information about it and realized, wow, this is a big deal. So in addition to that, when I would take the Illinois Central from Kensington at 115th and Cottage, I would see the deterioration of the Pullman plant and all the neighborhood. It was just rack and ruin. I think in 1998, there was a fire that took out most of the northern end of the of the uh, Pullman plant. Mm -hmm. And it just it just sat there for such a long time. And I knew that this had some historical value that was personal to me and other children of the Great Migration whose parents worked on the railroad. But I also could see how the neighborhood had been just left to deteriorate. For example, there were uh, uh, taverns and, and, and cafes with Schlitz, the Schlitz beer logo in the, okay. in the uh, 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 cornerstone of the building. And it's like, somebody should save that, you know? And, and I was so glad when all of this started and this momentum started thanks to the President Obama and the First Lady, Michelle. And they began to take interest in this and money was funded towards this. There were a lot of back, back workers who worked really, really hard. And we really didn't know about it until it opened. You know, it, it's, it's funny how you don't know what's going on. We live very close to the Pullman Monument, maybe 15, 20 minutes away on a good day. So I, I, I knew that something was going to pop. Well, Michael and I went on Saturday and it was wonderful because oh. we got to see them laying the groundwork for all the things that will be happening this year and into other years of this. We got there so early, some of the banners, some things had not been set up yet. So we will have to go back and make another trip. I heard this morning over 9,000 people over three days have gone there mm -hmm. and it, it, it's going to be wonderful. And, and it's, it, it's in its natal stages. So 
it's going to be great once it is completed and running and everything and i'm very proud to be a part of it i really really am you know even though i have very little to do with it except just exist but i'm very glad to be a part of it and well, i think you're gonna um kind of uh i want to just touch on that you okay. mentioned that was really important here is that for many years it really just sat there and you knew about it and you passed by and go something historic happened there right but then you will see it and it looked like the neighborhood was certainly declining and going down but elections have consequences so you mentioned uh there was a a young uh before he was the president before he was a u.s senator before he was a state senator he was as people used to deride he was a community organizer so this community yeah. organizer on the southeast side who used to go out the Augell Gardens, which you'd have to pass Pullman to get to Augell Gardens. Um, he knew about that history from talking to people in the community. So it was something that he was familiar with. So when people went to, you know, who, the man who later became president, Barack Obama, they didn't have to sell him on Pullman. They didn't have to tell him, well, you know, there's a spot in Chicago and it has this like, he, like, he knew that already. The Pullman Company became one of the largest employers of African-Americans who worked as porters and staff on Pullman sleeper cars. Among those porters was an ancestor to someone close to President Barack Obama. One of those porters, great-granddaughter, had the chance to go to a great college and a great law school and had the chance to work for the mayor and had the chance to climb the ladder of success and serve as a leader in some of our city's most important institutions. And I know that because today she's the first lady of the United States of America, Michelle Obama. When exactly was your dad uh, working there at Pullman? You know, uh, I really can't say because, you know, records don't, <laughs> I, when I go back, I'm going to ask, is there a list? And I doubt there is of those mm -hmm. Pullman quarters. But I'm thinking, my mom and dad got married in 1940. And he, October 12th, 1940. And I am thinking that when he came here, it had to have been in the late 1930s because his brothers did not want him to get into marriage so quickly after coming to Chicago. Wow. You know, they thought, oh, just, just take your time. You know, and being an older brother, you know, you're, you're very uh, protective of your baby brother. So when he got married in 1940, he hadn't been here very long and he was working at Pullman. And I'll tell you a very funny story, just a little anecdote to that. Um, I have no compunction of saying that I was born in 1946. So I was born in 1946. And my father possibly was still working at Pullman because he had fallen off of the train and he mm -hmm. said he had an injury and his injury was a, a, a injury to his male apparatus. And when the inspector came to see the extent of his injury, my mother was pregnant. So they said, well, you know, just throw that out. I guess he's okay. You know, cause everything seems to be working pro properly now. So, we're not going <laughs> to, we don't have to pursue that injury. Um, that didn't make sense. Do, do you understand? 
for what yeah, I, I, they thought that he had some kind of damage penally. Is that the correct word? Right. But Michael. he hadn't because yeah. mama was pregnant with me. So we're right. saying that he worked there up until maybe 1945 or something like that. So, but, <gasps> but I know that's maybe embarrassing, but this is something that was just spoken of in the family, you know. And so. Michael, you're laughing because you're just thinking about out. it it was working out it worked out okay she got your here mom i know your mama showed up <laughs> yes, oh my gosh and i i when did pullman completely close because i'm thinking that's the 40s so when did it completely shut down i'm thinking when that's a really good question i, I, I don't, don't know Valerie. yeah i i, I can't yeah. yeah i i don't know wow that i think that's and, a and, and your parents um this wombled the did, did they live where in the area near pullman did they well, live you know, they did in that? Because, um they had moved from Bra the bronzeville area mm -hmm. and they moved out to the country morgan park when i was maybe 18 months old Okay. And this area here had Pullman porters, uh, teachers, mm -hmm. um, black men and black families of a certain status because they would have to be because there were no rentals out here. You had to buy your own home. Oh. So with that, these people were prominent and well-respected in the neighborhood and in the community because they had, if not so much, book learning but travel gives you a lot of education so these guys could tell you about what was going on in albuquerque or what was going on you know and 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 daddy's stories were really very interesting i wish i could remember most of them but i remember the ones that really made me stop and think was when he spoke of the segregation at places where they would stop. And mm -hmm. the porters, if they got off the train, they knew that uh, uh, certain places were, you know, you weren't to be in town mm -hmm. uh, at dark and sundown, uh, sundown, sundown towns. towns. And mm -hmm. you know that there were certain places that you could eat and certain places where you could uh, board and certain places where you couldn't. So, you know, even though these men who were gracious and kind and gentle, they still face these atrocities based on racism. So it, it just didn't make sense. You know, when they when they crossed the platform, the white people treated them one way, and when they didn't, they treated them another way, and they were all called George. I don't know if anybody has mentioned that, but wow. that, is, so that doesn't get mentioned that often. But they yeah. don't speak mm -hmm. of that because it takes when you call when you don't call a person by their their surname or their proper name it dehumanizes them so yeah. rather than to say that these are are human beings they were all called george after george pullman after george pullman that's that's horrible and uh what is the history that's come out and the museum that's set up, I think they're only allowing 10 to 15 people in at a time right. when you right. when you go. And there was a long line when I went on Labor Day 
the actual mm-hmm. Labor Day, but yes. I'm yes. discovering more and more uh, there, there was a strike that happened. And I'm assuming that happened in like the yes. late 1800s, yeah. early 1900s. Yeah, about 1898. Right, I think that's 1898. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. That was the strike oh. that uh, the, 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 the real workers right. went on strike. Right, follows hate market. Right. Comes mm-hmm. up to the hate market strike. So, but it, con- uh, so yes. it continued even after the strike because um, I'm assuming, because if your father worked there in the 1940s, even after the strike, they struck, they said, hey, we want more wages because Pullman was going up on their rental and, and play, not rental, but their homes and taxing right. and stuff like well, that. And then they weren't going up on the salary. So that's the reason why the, that strike happened. You speak of that, but let me just make yeah, this clear for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that strike was twofold. It was about the people who lived in the Pullman community as well as for the rail car workers who mm-hmm. didn't live in the community. Because oh. we didn't live in the community. Okay. You know, that was for the, the white people, you know. Mm. We could not, we could live close to there. We could even go back and live in Bronzeville just so we took the train out and did our job, you know. It didn't matter to them where we live. So that 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 was twofold it was it was that and it was the institution of of unions you know it was it was the whole thing and it was i'm sure that my father stayed there because of a philip randolph and the 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 Mm -hmm. union you know Mm -hmm. i'm sure that the conditions that made him settle down and, and 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 work there as long as he did was because that conditions changed and things were better or or else there was a, a brotherhood. That's why it's called a brotherhood. There was something that stuck those guys together. So so the thing to kind of remember about Pullman, just to give a little bit of the numbers to it. Um, so one thing, what, what Pullman means and why there's this national monument is because originally there was a town. So out in the far south side, southeast side, it wasn't always Chicago. Um, George Pullman started a town, which they called like the company town. He started a company town and that was the town of Pullman. So things were named after Pullman. The houses were designed for the workers who would live there. There was a general store that was put up in that area so that it was this kind of self-contained community. And, And that's what you can kind of see if you get a chance to visit the monument and also the homes in that community now. So that's from like 1880 to like about 1907. That's where there was the town. And since it was a company town, it meant that workers got their salary from Pullman and then they would go ahead and use that salary to pay for Uh rent. They would pay for, uh, you know, upkeep. They would use that to get some food at the general store. And all these things, the housing, the company, the company store, the general store, this was all owned by Pullman. So you pretty he might pretty much gave you the money and you gave it right back. Right. Okay. Right. And that was the idea of the company town. So in 1893, a recession struck America. Pullman slashed his workers' pay. Some saw their wages fall dramatically. Pullman didn't take a pay cut himself, and he didn't lower the rents in his company town. So his workers organized, 
for better pay and better working and living conditions. A strike started here in Pullman, and it spread across the country. Now, this whole idea of racism even entering there, that you couldn't live, you couldn't live there. if you were African-American in the company town, that says a lot. And I think one of the things we want to make sure that things that people are clear about is I think that sometimes George Pullman gets a little bit too much credit for the things that happen, not because of what he did, but maybe even in spite of, in what, spite he, of, of what, what he did. Um, you know, the credit should go to A. Philip Randolph. He's right. this outsider who comes in, and this is a pretty radical time in history around like the early uh, 20th century, 1890s. Um, and he comes in and talks to these men and they had been trying to form a union. These African-American men who were working as porters and in other capacities of service on the train. Wow. So they had been trying to form a union, but of course, Pullman doesn't want to see a union. You know, nobody wanted to see a union. That's what mm -hmm. Chicago was known for, trying to have unions and then having riots and just horrible things, trying to break the ability to, to form a union. So. Mm -hmm. A. Philip Randolph comes in, he manages to do it. He meets with them, um, I believe, out away from Chicago and talks to them, and they begin to they form this union. This union is so strong, so dynamic, that A. Philip Randolph had the ear of a president, former president uh, Roosevelt. Right. And he wanted some Roosevelt to make some concessions, to make some changes you know, around the margins for what we would then now know as civil rights early on. So this is pre-1960. He goes to Roosevelt, asks for some things to happen. Roosevelt's like, mm, I don't know about that. And they Philip Randolph came back to him and says like, well, you know what I know? I know I got about 20,000 African-American men. And if we descend upon Washington, D.C. and go to the White House and ask you for it publicly, you might want to change your mind. Right. So Roosevelt says, oh, hold on a second. What do you need? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that averts what would have been the first March on Washington. That was all planned out by A. Philip Randolph. Right. So that later on, when this young upstart uh, minister from uh, Atlanta comes up and talks to A. Philip Randolph about his concept to go to D.C., and ask for you know civil rights for people that should have received them initially, but you know their their check was you know bounced right. You know about that part of the speech. So early part of the I have a dream speech. Mm -hmm. So when that young minister says to A. Philip Randolph, we should go to Washington. A. Philip Randolph already has the blueprint of how to do it, right? Because he had right. thought about doing it right. beforehand, and he That's goes ahead and supports before. King. He goes ahead and supports King and King's work to bring all these groups to Washington, D.C. to finally push for what he could get at on the margin through the strength of the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a that's a lot of rich history. And, and is that included in the museum when you all got a chance to see that? Did they do they mention him? Oh, yes. Yeah, Rand Randolph? Yeah, oh, yes, he, yes, he, yes, he yes. has also has a monument um, alongside or within the campus area. Right, of, right, exactly. Of, of there, okay. yeah. Exactly. As, 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 as we, Michael and I know, we'll have to go back because it was, 
it was the first day, Saturday, they were really just setting up and the tickets were just, even though they were free, the lines were stretching all around and with COVID, it, it, you know, you, everybody's metered, you, only 10 people can get in and everything. And, and having seen those, those uh, uh, rail cars, I know that they're very small and they're tight. Yeah. And to have people in there, you know, it, it, it would be a, a, a major health concern to have it with people, you know, during these times. So we'll go back. And I think that is where the A. Philip Randolph statue is on that mm-hmm. north. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. the thing about it is, Dale, mm-hmm. the northern end is where most of the sleeping car porter mm-hmm. information is. And it has yet to be developed to the extent that the Hotel Florence and 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 the Convention Center or, or is has been developed, and it will be developed. I was listening to uh, Alderman Beal this morning, and he was speaking, and he was he was he was just saying, you know, because he was saying that uh, uh, we still need to do more. I think he quoted. $90,000 that he was asking the governor to give to get this rolling. He said, I, I, I'll i take it any way I can get it. I'll get it in three-year increments of $30,000 a piece until, until it's done because this is still a work in progress. You know, even though it's open, it's not completed. It's it's going to be more evolved. They, and, and in addition to this, they're also having uh, workshops and uh, entertainment and a lot of other things in that particular campus. You know, over there also, there is um, Method is over there. The uh, the cleaning the company. cleaning company is over there. Method's over and you there. You find a Target in some stores that that's kind of cleaners, industrial. Mm-hmm. So, right, yeah. right, right. It, they got very big, of course, during COVID, as, as most of those hand <laughs> sanitizers would. But also over there is a distribution plant for Amazon. So this is a this is an area that is developing. When we walked through there, I at least three people told me about houses that were for sale in the area. Those lovely townhouses they're being refurbished, and I'm sure that they will be just as as beautiful as as possible and certainly priced out of my market but i'm sure that people will be over there because not only will they be expensive but i'm sure that area the taxes will just skyrocket you know this is a development that this is this is you know something that is is a work in progress i drove through the neighborhood uh next to the gate to um hotel florence and then also the mansion and notice that the majority of the residents of the people that I saw coming in and out of the houses or the townhomes there uh, don't look like us. They're white. Right, right. And so I see, hmm? They knew to stay. They knew Mm -hmm. to stay. Yeah, Yeah, so, right. That white flight didn't take over that portion because they, they knew that something was happening over there. Right, yeah. I mean, the idea of the the South Side of Chicago being predominantly African American, obviously, it wasn't always that way. Right, um, right. You know, many African Americans, like you know, our family, came from other states and migrated there. Um, my grandmother from Alabama, grandfather from from Missouri, 
So somebody had to live in that area before, right? right? Exactly. You know? Yeah. So so places like Roseland, uh, mm-hmm. which is just west of there, that got emptied out. Uh, Caucasian families went farther south, south, mm-hmm. southeast, southwest. They got out of there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But Pullman, this little area, right? Bumping up against uh, parts of what is now the Bishop Four, um, mm-hmm. where there were plants there, and it was always work there. Those families stayed. They stayed. Many of those they families stayed. 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 Yeah. Uh, and and, uh, and that area is now historic. Yeah, I was uh, I was having a conversation with a young lady who told me that her grandfather worked there. Oh. And he, she is of, of of Italian descent. Her grandfather cleaned shanties at Pullman. I mean, there were all that kinds of jobs, and it, it, it was it was based on are you are you black, are you an immigrant, and that is how you got got your work. You know what I mean? Yeah, there were yeah. certain people that were allowed in the factories, and then there were certain people who weren't allowed in the factories not to work on the cars and put them together, but so much maintain them or see that the workers were fed and clean and, and, and had food and water and, and, and stuff like that. And it, it did what it was supposed to do at the time. But you're right, well, but you're right in terms of driving around there and you see the people that live in the area that is now uh, I think in in several years will be that whole district. That's going to be a historic district. Probably. Oh yeah, the whole so, thing. So the people that were allowed by Pullman to have houses there to live there mm-hmm. still are reaping benefits from that decision. Right now, nearly a hundred years later, because now they're in historic homes near a national museum that will soon be a historic district right so but the other people who weren't able to be there they were pushed out into other areas of the city that um you know not going to be in that area so they won't reap the benefit of that history no so um pullman historic district it is the only i didn't know that it's the only uh historical uh, only national monument that's in Chicago. It is 111th and Cottage Grove. If you are in Chicago, uh, make your way down uh, the Dan Ryan into the Bishop Fort and exit off 111th Street and may, may come I and just visit. Say, if you don't want to motor down, mm-hmm. Central train is right there. You can what? What's the name of the train again? I think it's I Metro. Right, yeah, it's Metro now. Metro now. Metro. Yeah, yeah it's like the Metro, metro to you can Kensington. Take it from, from, from 111th, right? Uh, right, you can get off at a, you can get off at 115th Kensington or you can get mm-hmm. off at 111th and enjoy the walk over to where the mm-hmm. all the campus stuff is and, and mm-hmm. the, the take, uh, hotel. Take the train, the railroad, get to the railroad town. Right, exactly. It, it, Which it, is great. Railroad still is there. Have mm-hmm. you ever taken that train? Yes, south? I have. Yeah, I have. have. I've gone. I've gone far south, but definitely I've, I've gone past it. Yeah. I have taken that train to um, my uh, eighth grade trip. We took the Illinois Central train to Salem, 
Nice. One of the trains name was Ann Rutherford or something. And that was Abraham yeah. Lincoln's first love. And yeah. it was, I mean, that whole area is so personal to me. And I'm so glad that it's being restored and, and, and held in the, in the place in history where it should be. Exactly. Exactly. Um, our executive producer, Michael Womble and his mom, Roz, thank you so very much for coming on and letting us know about thank this you. historic. I feel important. I feel important. <laughs> thank you. Mel. You are important. You are, oh, you are walking you. around with oral history that oh, yeah. we can't find in a book. Right. And you won't be able to find that story about my father. And exactly. My and her exactly. Friend. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, sweetie. This is Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. To learn more about the Pullman National Monument, please visit the National Park Service website at nps.gov forward slash pull. Have you seen it? It's the weekly chat with EP Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson. Interludes Extra presents Talk on Tuesdays. Join us as we break down the latest topics surrounding music and movies and politics every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, live on our Interludes YouTube channel. Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, written by Michael Womble, produced by Valerie Johnson and Michael Womble, original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production, brought to you by our national sponsor, Montevilla, the natural weight loss coffee and tea brewed with MTC oil and Ramon seeds. For more information and to purchase Montevilla coffee and tea, please visit linktr.ee forward slash purelightmedia. Our local title sponsor, A1 Pestmasters, for all your exterminating and pest control needs, call A1 Pestmasters at area code 773-365-9962 or visit their website at a1pestmasters.com. When you book your appointment with A1 Pestmasters, tell them that you heard it first on the podcast called Interludes. To subscribe to our YouTube channel or join our Interludes Facebook group, visit the website linktr.ee forward slash purelightmedia.com. Interludes.